Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Forts Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Inferna. We're at Forts Athletics. We equip coaches and athletes with the tools they seek out in order to achieve their unique and specific goals. And we are recording this episode on Wednesday, January 26th. This is the second episode of 2022. First episode, if you listened, was... Uh, our one word for the year, my one word for the year, and what I'm going to try and prioritize in 2022. Uh, I talked a little bit about um, research and holistic coaching and prioritizing more specific time during the day to accomplish uh, said projects and goals. And if you listen to that episode and you listen to my little piece on... Uh, the coaching article that I published, I will still send you a thrower t-shirt if you go back and listen and uh, let me know what you think uh, about that and what I said. And I'll just leave it at that for right now. So this is our second episode. Holistic coaching has taken off like wildfire. And it's really interesting at first. Um, I thought we would be working with you know two, three, four, five athletes who are really interested in looking at mindset and preparation and how uh, that relationship would positively, hopefully, influence their throwing. And it has grown uh, exponentially, more than I uh, thought was possible at first, and I'm really excited about that. And working with a lot of athletes of all different levels uh, from really all over the world, which is really exciting. It makes the um, coaching calls um, interesting. They're either on my end really, really early in the morning or on their end really, really early in the morning, depending on which way we are going as far as time zones. But uh, what I wanted to talk about today, and I thought was really interesting, a conversation that I had with a post-collegiate thrower, and it was our third session that we've had since December and this particular thrower uh, is spacing out sessions so we'll we'll have our meeting we'll talk about specific strategies that were incorporated over the previous couple weeks what went well what didn't go well and what we can do moving forward and today the conversation was really interesting it's about competing internationally so this is an internationally ranked uh, thrower or, uh, competing at the international level. And we were talking about when they were going to open up their season. And there's a possibility of competing uh, overseas in early spring. And when they were describing that competition and their schedule, uh, they suggested that uh, they weren't sure if they were going to compete in that meet um, unless they were really, really excited for it. And the conversation just kind of tailed off. And I really dug into that. I thought that was really interesting uh, that this particular thrower said that they would compete internationally if they were excited and they felt ready. And I asked, uh, and I'm using you know, not specific pronouns here, not to give away identity or anything. Uh, so I asked them, what type of excitement would it take to compete internationally early in the season? 
And two, how do you define being ready to compete internationally at this point in the season? And they kind of looked at me through Zoom with a quizzical look. And I thought that was really interesting because they said, I don't know. So the conversation kind of tailed off into preparation of not so much the physical aspect of being able to qualify for the meet because they are already invited and they have an invitation and they have a spot if they want to go. But their decision would be determined based on their excitement to compete and if they thought that they were ready. So I said, okay, so what type of excitement do you need in order to compete internationally early in the spring before we get going domestically here? And uh, they shared that they needed to hit a certain distance here first before they felt comfortable going overseas and that their body needed to be ready. So we were talking about that. And that really uh, conversation really um, transitioned to a lot of journaling and what specific metrics uh, they're going to start keeping track of in order to decipher whether they think they're going to be ready or not for this meet. Um, If I was throwing as far as they were, I would have tried to travel all over the place uh, if I had the opportunity. And I said that too, you know, to them uh, based on, you know, just my excitement of like, wow, like, but anyway, so it wasn't really about that. And then I said, uh, so what, what type of excitement do we need to have? And we started talking about distances and if hitting a certain distance here, that would um, create more excitement at the possibility of throwing overseas. And when they shared that, I shared a story. Uh, well, I guess not really a story, more so a conversation or a, a training session that I was in back in 2015 at Spire Institute. We went to a coaching conference and uh, was delighted to sit in on a presentation by uh, Lance Deal, world record holder in the weights, uh, former American record holder in the hammer. And he was talking about tr- competing internationally. And he said, you know, back then and even today, uh, you should be able to comp- you should be able to throw at least 90 percent of your best no matter what conditions at any time um, ever. Uh, and I thought that that was, you know, really interesting that even back then that he shared that he thought that no matter what, he should be able to throw at least 90% of his personal best two hours after he got off an international flight. And uh, he shared some more stories about that, and then he told the people that were recording to turn off our cameras. So I did. So I got most of the conversation or most of his um, perspective on that number. And uh, I said, I asked him after the fact, that's like, you know, Lance, what, why 90? And uh, Judd Logan was sitting in the presentation also. They kind of went back and forth a little bit. And he said, because that's in the middle of the range, 88 to 92, and 92 and a half. So you should be able to throw at least 90% no matter what. And um, it, it's just so fascinating to me that um, he had that in his, his mind, his own mind, 
that no matter what, anytime you should be able to throw 90%. So I said that to this thrower, and I said, you know, what do you think? You should be able to throw, you know, you think you should be able to throw 90% at any given time. And they said, well, after the last couple of weeks of training sessions and weight room work and things like that, probably not. Um, so I just, the dichotomy is really fascinating to me about how we perceive readiness and competition uh, where Lance, I don't want to say more old school, but maybe uh, uh, more privy to different training or coaching or what have you, or just expectations, uh, believe that he should be able to throw at least 90% all the time, no matter what. So at that level, being a 80-meter hammer thrower, throwing 90%, that's pretty deep all the time. Uh, with the weight, 90%, like, that's uh, quite a training session to be able to hit, 90, or I mean a competition, rather, to hit 90% every single you know, throw or have the expectation of doing that. And I think that's where um, the conversation really wrapped up with this particular thrower was we, I mean, really the last thing that we talked about was expectations and our expectations meeting our realities and that maybe in January after, you know, some brutal weightlifting sessions, maybe it's not an expectation to be able to hit 90 percent of our best hammer throw all the time uh but in june july august where the volume and intensity is really uh different in the weight room as opposed to our throwing volume that intensity maybe it is a little bit more realistic uh, and then we also talked a little bit about you know setting a personal best there and maybe not making the finals as opposed to uh, you know making the finals you know, flying halfway around the world for six throws or maybe three throws, like what is it is a risk versus a reward. Um, so, yeah, so just some things to, to think about if you're a coach or an athlete listening. You know, how, how excited do you need to be in order to compete? Like, how do you define that for yourself? Like, what does that look like? What does that excitement feel like? And then how do you gauge your readiness for that so what like metrics and data points do you collect if any to know that you're going to be ready to compete at a you know big time international competition in this particular thrower's case but at your sectionals or your state championships or whatever regional meets you may have as a high school thrower or even a collegiate thrower how do you determine that do you collect anything? Uh, like I'm a, I guess a data scientist by day. So all I do is look at data points and try and predict certain outcomes based on the data I have and, and what relationships mean in the education world anyway. Um, so we look at outcomes and we look at, uh, like school attendance and all these like boring things for the layperson that I get really excited about. But in throwing, what do we look at? Do we look at recovery, like how we perceive we feel that we're recovered? Do we look at sleep, like our rest, like how many hours of sleep we got the night before or over the course of seven days? 
do we look at like nutrition, like we're what what we're putting into our bodies? Uh, what what do we look at? Like weight root numbers? Like you hit a personal best in the squat? Is that going to be predictive of great throwing performances? Like how do you know? And hopefully there's enough people listen to this. Maybe we'll get a conversation started here on Instagram. But what factors or what data points do you use to predict your own success? Or if you think you're, or however you uh, perceive your own success. What type of information do you, as a coach, collect on your athletes? Is there anything that you look at or do you just show up at a meet and you hope they perform well because you hope they do so what kind of factors what kind of data points are you looking at and I guess the data points are really interesting because I was in a meeting with my supervisor for about an hour and a half today talking about that I was like what type of data points like what are we missing like what are we not collecting or what should we be collecting uh, that might be able to paint a better picture for how we could better help students succeed in school so I guess it's how are we going to help our athletes succeed in competition from this perspective so what data points as coaches should we be collecting if any if you're interested and what should we not really be collecting I mean if you're not collecting anything then I guess it doesn't matter it's a moot point but if you are collecting something what are you collecting and why or if not what would you collect or what do you think is going to be most helpful now there have been a lot of studies conducted about athlete success based on you know you know vertical jump and power clean and squats and all that stuff but when you take all of those like weight room components out of it what are we left with? What else are we, what are we missing? What should we be looking at? What should we be collecting? Like, what do you think, what do we think is going to be more, most helpful? I have a pretty good idea uh, that rest and recovery, nutrition, and athlete uh, mental preparation are huge predictors, I think. I haven't conducted the study yet maybe that's the research project to focus on is uh, what are what's going to be predictors of success in throwing for athletes um, that are don't necessarily always equate to having huge weight room numbers like what else is there besides having like a big bench press in the shot put uh, which obviously we know that that's a strong predictor but uh, a lot of throwers have strong bench presses and a lot of throwers have strong cleans and a lot of throwers have strong squats and a lot of throwers are really, really strong. But once we get to a certain point, you really can't get much stronger, right? Like, I don't know if there's any, like, 700-pound uh, benchers. Like, by that point, putting all that emphasis on trying to bench 700 pounds to throw a 16-pound ball really far, uh, I don't know how how strong of a relationship there is there uh, if that thrower isn't getting enough rest uh, and recovery or their nutrition is off I don't know if that would make 
as much of a difference, but maybe it's going to be something to look into because I'm kind of intrigued myself as well, you know, what are some, what data points do we collect as throwers to uh, ensure we're competing at the best, our, our best possible, uh, or the best of our abilities, I guess. You know, what data points are going to help support that success. So, yeah, we'll leave it with that. For this episode, what kind of data points? We'll get the conversation going on Instagram and see if anybody uh, has any information that they collect or that they look at that might help uh, facilitate an interesting conversation. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Forts Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Inferno, and have a great day.